When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the best of breakfast with Vossi and Brandy. We're fired up for your Tuesday. And on the back of our discussion on the Australian cricket team yesterday morning, we asked what icon from sport or elsewhere would you get into the dressing rooms that would make the players listen? Because they don't seem to be listening to Andrew McDonald right now. Plus, Taylor May is out for the year on the back of a third man in tackle in the World Club Challenge. What suspension would be given if this happened in the NRL? I've had one bacon and egg burger already uh, with uh, barbecue sauce. I've eaten half of an avocado and Vegemite on toast. I've had a coffee and I've started my orange juice. I'm ready to go, Greg Alexander, for another <laughs> you, three hours you are. of fun. You look ready. And controversy. I've never been more ready for a show than today. Welcome to Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy on the home of sport, the SEN Network. We are in the 1170am studios in Sydney. And I know that yesterday's show was sort of, well, you could say hijacked by the cricketers. Guess what? <laughs> We're going to be talking more cricket today. The fallout continues. What is going on? So what, Pat Cummins coming home, family. Okay, that's, that's a separate yeah, yeah. matter. But and, and, I, and I did, I did look back and there was, a, there was a story in the paper mm. about it and it did say back in 2004, Adam Gilchrist, when he yep. led that team, there was, there was three or four players flew back in between tests. So, you know, if Pat Cummins has yeah. to get home, there's so, 10 days before the, the next it. test, uh, let someone else do the talking over there. But Dave Warner, Josh Hazelwood may be on the same flight. Um, Swepson's gone Swepson back over. Went home. Are we? Oh, oh, Agar is he coming home? Too? Oh, well, there was talk that well, Agar. I mean, yeah. All he's doing is. You know. well, well, Swepson's going back. Uh, Agar's <laughs> uh, possibly returning to Australia. Four nil, Brandy. You're down to your last ten dollars. Is it going on four nil, India? No, no, it's not. No, no. We'll win one. Is that a? We'll win one. We'll win one. I don't know how. I'm just saying we'll win eight. Now, when you say they'll win one, is that you saying there's only two more? Are you saying yeah. they'll win the next one? Well, I could win the fourth one. So you're know. saying if I, we're down 3-0, we're we'll suddenly win. going to pull one out of our tremenda. Yeah, I, yes, I've, I've still got faith in, uh, in, in this team. I, I still do have faith. Listen, I must say, driving into work today, um, heard the little promo they've been running from yesterday's show, and I, I, I can't remember what part of the show we had this conversation, but it, but it made me laugh, but then it also made me think, here is the promo we've been running. Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy. Now what we've learned today is that the coach can't say anything. So like a dog going back to its own vomit, they just go back and do the same thing and keep getting out. I think they live in their own protective little bubble to have multiple coaches and no one say anything while the test is disappearing. And no one's got the balls to say, don't sweep, you idiot. Breakfast with Vossi and Brandy. Well, See, yeah, one, one vomit, vomit, the word vomit's ever been in a promo. That's mm. the first thing. But the second, the delivery by you was outstanding. Well, Vossi, it's not that it hasn't happened to us before. Like Mm. Australia have have been, you know, dismissed cheaply and, and, and that doesn't, you know, well, it's disappointing to see when we, when we don't score runs, but for it to happen in the first test and then, but the, Mm. the manner that it happened for, for the Australian batsmen to continue to go along with their plan and to try and execute what was clearly wrong. 
and for someone not to go, hang on, let's just let's just go back. Marnus Labashain was yeah. was was bowled off a ball that yeah. bounced four inches He's off the, the pitch, cross like it shot. Yeah, so that would have been the uh, alarm bell. The, the yeah, the red light moment to go. Mm. Hang on, mm. it's not bouncing, boys. Just keep the cross bat shots. Mm. Put them in the kit bag and don't take them out there. So whatever plan you have, yeah. just change it and don't yeah. don't do that. So yeah. I yeah. guess that's why you know it sounds like we're irate, but it it, it just seems the stupidity of it mm. is is mind boggling. And when Ian Healy said, "No, no, the coach wouldn't be saying anything to these players," yeah. <laughs> so on my drive in today, yes, bossy, I was thinking, well, who would say exactly. something? Who would say something? Now, I can. The first person that sprung to mind, I thought this bloke would be perfect. The pacing, pointing, spitting, swearing coach in the box, Craig Bellamy. Craig Bellamy? I thought we were going Ricky Stewart there. No. Say Craig Bellamy. Craig Bellamy. (laughs) Now, the vision that we see during rugby league matches of of Belly in the box and just Going off his head. I think. I think they need something yeah. like that. Yeah, a, a okay. reality. A wake up call. All right. Oh, we're compiling a little list. We, in fact, we'll pull out a poll today. We will come up with a a short list. Put up on our Twitter account at Vossy Brandy Sen. For, and we need your help right now on the Motorola open line one three hundred oh one eleven seventy. And you can text zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. But go outside the square. I mean, I, I have thrown in Mister T. I'm pulling, I don't know, is he dead or alive still, Mr. T, but don't sweep you fool. You know, and that's a very poor Mr. T impersonation, but I'm saying, do we need that? Let, let's think of all the people out there, the coach whisperer, he could do it. So, someone, come up with a, with an, get really inventive. See, I'm, I wouldn't be surprised be... if there was a coach whisperer over there already Ooh. helping the coaches. Yeah. But he only whispers and, and no one heard him. said, don't, don't say anything. I told you not to say <laughs> What? I told you not to sweep him. Sorry? <laughs> Um, so, yes, that's our first uh, on the agenda for today, to come yep. up with someone. Who needs to shake up this Australian cricket team? With the balls yep. <laughs> that could address it as it happens, as it unfolds, if it is going to happen in the third test, that Brandy says we're a chance of winning um, because he says we're going to win one. I don't believe well, you're gonna, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just being positive. There's a lot of negativity around about the cricketers, so I'm, I'm just... Mm. You know, it's more hope than really. Yeah. It's hard. It's a heartfelt tip. Vossi, uh, now Andrew Bogut will join us on the program today too. Andrew Bogut. Um, is he Australia's best basketball export? Is he oh, Is he at the well, top of the tree? Well, Luke Longley, when, when, because of the team success, you can't leave Luke Longley out. He mightn't have had the ability of Bogut, but he's played a part in one of the most famous... NBA sides of all time. He's and, the most and, famous. And has Michael Jordan yep. rapping him, saying, you know. Mm. Uh, he did. He played yeah. a part in our win. Yeah. Mm. yeah so okay. I, I, just before you moved, you moved on from the cricket a bit quick Yeah, I did. Mine. Sorry. Sorry. You won't have... Because, now we do have, look, Andrew McDonald, and you referred to him as Ronald there at one point yesterday, and now <laughs> listeners <laughs> have fun <laughs> teeing off <laughs> on him. Well, Pat Cummins was the Hamburglar yesterday, yeah, too. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> oh, it's a great text line. It's a great text line we have. But SEN Cricket's uh, Barrett... Sundarisen yesterday interviewed Mr. McDonald. Here is a bit of what he had to say. 
No, we, we don't necessarily have sort of team batting plans. It's more individual. Yeah, to say that it was a team plan to go out there and play that way would be false. I think a few players got away from what makes them really good players um, in that moment. And, you know, was it pressure or was it perceived pressure? I'm not sure. Or were we just hurrying towards that total that we wanted to to set up for, for, for India to, to chase and to have great pressure on them. So it'll, it'll be a combination of factors, um, but ultimately there's some poor decisions. Yeah, it's, it's a balance, I think, defence and, and attack. So probably got the balance wrong. Right. Okay. Probably, probably got it wrong. Okay. I'd say so, so what, so what I learned out of that, so mm. they've, they've got individual batting plans, mm. not a team batting plan. Yeah. <laughs> so did, did they ever think, did they ever go around, mm. did they go around the room and go, okay, what's your plan today? Mm. What's your plan? What? Ha, yeah. but, but hang on, hang on. If they went around the room and said, "Well, what, what's your plan?" Mm. I like the cross bat shot. I think we can, you know, the sweep mm. is good. Mm. So everyone was thinking sweep. If they had have even asked what the plan was, they yeah. could have gone, "Hang on, hang on. We're we're in dangerous territory. Mm. We we got ten blokes that think the sweep is the the way out of this." Mm. Then they could have said, "Well." Well, maybe we need to change. This is this is dangerous territory. Yeah. We're we're all got the same plan, but mm. I think Andrew McDonald, between the lines of that grab, has just basically admitted, "I am an ashtray on a hang glider." When it comes to the actual <laughs> playing of the test, so he has no input. He doesn't put forward any idea. The batsmen have it to their own devices. They're the individual plans. He's the coach, but puts out the cones. That's uh, it. And, yeah, that's it. Like, that's his job. <laughs> I, That's his job. I, I really think wow. Shane Moore nailed it uh. when he said, "The coach is what you get in to travel to the game." <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's a good quote. Yeah, that's, good quote. That's that's uh, so he he then took no responsibility. He had no input. Like he like and did and, he know what every player's pl- individual uh, plan was? Well, I know it's the coach, but he said we probably probably got it wrong. Probably, that's amazing stuff. Um, Wow, what do you think? One three hundred oh one eleven seven. Say hello, Moto. One three hundred oh one eleven seventy. Text zero four five seven seven three six seven three six. Ramp it up. Get fired up on the cricket. As I said, I think we're talking cricket all week. Like the, the third test can't come quick enough for, for because it'll just be discussion and hammering and very little positive between now and then. Now, well, there's a long. There's yeah. still ten days That's to right. go before the test, so there's a little bit of time. And we've got. And it's the calm before the storm. Preseason challenge is over, mm. so there's no footy this weekend. Nah. So the cricket will will dominate dissection. Now rugby league, um, dragons. What a what a time to be alive. Um, the dragons. Now we've got news that was broken last night. Two dragons players had to be separated after a quote heated exchange unquote outside the team hotel at six a.m. in Mudgee. That's it. they were they were given p- permission for a night out. Does the night out have to finish at sunrise, though? Can a night out just be to like one? Like the game because they did play early in the afternoon. There was an afternoon game. Could they have said you can have a night out, but let's let's be back at the hotel by midnight? So you can understand the nighttime game that the players. By the time you finish Mm. and you're out, it's midnight before you you have your first beer. Yeah. Um, So it's quite easy to get through to six o'clock. You know, in those, in that sort of uh, mm. circumstance, but to play an afternoon game it was mm. quarter past four kickoff. You know, you yeah. you showered, you, you're sort of having your first beer at seven. Mm. Six is a that's a, that's <laughs> <Six> an eleven <laughs> that's, that's an eleven hour stint. 11 that's hour. pretty good. Well, look to, to be fair to the Dragons, we are told that um, either the coach they had said 
return at a reasonable hour and in a responsible state. But there was no curfew. But they did return. But, but where is the lesson learned? The, different players, different times. But where's the lesson learned from the COVID barbecue? That's the first thing I thought of. I thought your coach stood in front of you and said no to get together, all this sort of thing. They are saying the two players involved are Zane Musgrove, who's new to the club, mm-hmm. and Michaeli Ravalawa. All right, so... Uh, bit, bit of early I, morning carver. I, I think the, st- the stink around the Dragons of lessons learned from the past proves there have been no lessons learned from the past at all. And it's a really bad sign. You can dismiss it as a on as it, a minor incident. On its own, you wouldn't worry That's about right. it. But but with but, how the dragons have mm. well how, how the dragons have looked through the preseason challenge, Vossi, yeah. that it, it just is another thing that makes you think, boy, what uh, what mm. sort of season are they in for? Yeah. As I said, if if the coach, it had to be the coach. It's not going to be or, or or football manager might have said, mm. boys, leave pass tonight, no curfew, but get home at a responsible time. If you disobey that, if you go outside that, that shows ill discipline, mm. don't care, don't respect. It's all those things. And they're, they're horrible ingredients. And no one would know about it unless you didn't have a blue. Yeah. So I'm really disappointed. Dragons fans, is it minor? Do, do you just dismiss this or do you want to see an iron fist here to really to really put line in the sand to say we what, are serious, what, what, we are trying to turn things around? Yep. And take action here. We know the players now. And and let's have trans- – what what did transpire? Is it push and shove? Is it you know, just heated argument? Why don't we just get Andrew McDonald back and get he can Andrew step McDonald into back. the Dragons yeah, so he can sort the Dragons. them out. That's it. Anyway, it's very disappointing. Now, the other league incident um, that we want to talk about this morning, Brandon, we were at the World Club Challenge Saturday night. And and I and I got Charlie Gusser was back from COVID and back from the monkeypox to <laughs> dig out our commentary because I swore – that I, I didn't swear, but I, I swore that I, in my memory, that I reacted to the Ignatius Parsi third man in tackle on Taylor May as it happened. We yep. thought, oh, so let's go back to the night, the commentary, because jumping ahead, Taylor May is now out for the year. His knee is shot, knee reconstruction because of a tackle. This is how we called it Saturday night. They look at the third man in there, the uh, tackle of Parsi. You, you can come in as third man, but you can't come in with forces. Is what we've become accustomed to. Yeah. That was the, the third defender in that did the damage. That's quite. That's quite an incredible situation. Third man in did do yeah. the damage, and, I and thought there was, it was that, force. Well, there I was thought really, there was force, and, and there, there wasn't much reason for him to come in with that force. No charge. Two players on him already, going to ground, hit him hard, out for the season. That's that's yes. yeah, when you, when you when you throw that on the top of Coruscant and kick out moving on, then you take uh. Taylor May out of the equation for the season. That's a. That's a blow. But it's our, a real blow. But oh mate, the the general Luke Patton came out with an explanation yesterday. He was talking more about hip drop, saying, "Well, it was not a hip drop." Well, no, I, I wasn't really right. concerned about the hip drop. I was concerned. Cannonball. Are we saying that for the welfare of the players that we're only worried about the third man if in if they're below the knee? Like I would have thought it's below thigh. If you're if you're third man in and your only target is the legs, then you're obliged to come in as softly as you can because. Well, there's the proof in the pudding. Yeah, it, it's all to do with the force you go into the tackle yeah. with, Vossi. And, yeah. and there was enough force there to oh. ruin his knee. 108 kilo forward comes in as third man on your legs. Yep. So I, I ask the fans right now, and you're listening, 
If that happens round one in the NRL, what do you expect? What would the charge be? Now, this is World Club Challenge, and maybe we don't feel as if, you know, Ignatius passes now the other side of the world. Does it really does it really matter? I'm saying that a bit flippantly, I guess. Mm. But if it happens round one of the NRL, is that the standard that you want from our judiciary? That there'd be no charge? I think it's a bloody... I think it's a disgrace. I think it's a disgrace that there was no charge. That is a tackle that the likes of Andrew Johns and Mortal say has to be stamped out of the game mm. and has, has been on that high horse for years. And yet we still allowed that to happen the other night and don't even push a charge. Yep. Poor. Wow. Poor. Man, we're fired up. Yeah. We're fired up. I think it's going to be a good day. You're listening to the best of breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. SEN is proud partner of the supercars this year and racing icon. Will Davidson joined us to tell us what to expect this year ahead of it, kicking off with the first race in Newcastle next month. Well, now, let's change sports for the moment, and it's always great to catch up with um, our supercar drivers. Gee, they present their sport well. I mean, if on a totally separate issue, if I was to, if you ask me, who are the best sportsmen that represent their sport, the best people to speak to, uh, supercar drivers win, clearly, yeah. for mine. And I'm looking at Telegraph, page 54 today, the launch of the... Uh, Supercar season, which will start March 10 in Newcastle. Hello to all our Newcastle listeners. And there is Will Davison, uh, front and centre in the photo. They've gone for the good-looking blokes, Will, um, to, to launch the year. And, and you're one of the four in the photo. Will, that must make you feel very proud. Jeez, oh, I'll, I'll take the compliment, but I don't know about that. But, uh, yes, thanks for the kind words. It's um, yeah, certainly an exciting time of the year. It's uh, all that to kick off. Can't wait. Now, now, look, can you understand that there are the faithful out there that are still struggling to get their head around Ford Mustang v uh, Chev Camaro? Can you appreciate that some of us may take a little time? <laughs> well, I, <laughs> I think... Um, you know, I think it's still, yeah, it's still pretty raw, isn't it? Just the, the the fact of, you know, local manufacturing with Falcon and Commodore doesn't exist anymore. The, so the reality of the reality of the situation is, it's just it's bloody fantastic that the sports going to new heights. Still, um, there's definitely still a Ford v let's call it GM rivalry. Um, you know, and we know Chev is still, uh, you know. Holden was, you know, the, the, you know, uh, very much part of the GM family. So um, that rivalry, it's natural that all the Holden fans have, you know, migrated across to uh, what is a hero car um, in a Camaro. And uh, certainly the Mustang is a hero car from the Blue Oval. So it all goes full circle, doesn't it? I mean, obviously the last um, 20 odd years has been Commodore and Falcon. But you think back to the heyday, there was... You know, Dick Johnson was in the Mustang. Um, he was in Sierras. We had Peter Brock in. BMWs at one stage. Didn't we have so, Nissans um, too? Wasn't there Niss- yeah, Nissans? Nissans Skylines, Monaros. The sports yep. had everything, and it's yep. sort of gone full circle. And here we are with this legendary now um, Camaro versus Mustang chapter. So I think it's pretty pretty exciting chapter ahead. So, Will, the Gen 3, uh, is Gen 3 just, and they're talking about the, the massive change. Is it just the fact that we have uh, Camaro and Mustang now, or is there something different about these cars, how they're built, Um the engine in them, the rules, what, what else has changed? Yeah, it's, it's a massive change. It's definitely the biggest change in the last 25 years in the sport. We've sort of been running to a very sh- sort of strict type regulation where the cars over the years have been getting fine-tuned but running to a certain set of rules where the teams have quite a bit of freedom to design and manufacture and 
manipulate things to their liking. Um, you know, the, the engine we've been running for 20-odd years has been based on a sort of 5-litre pushrod V8 engine, quite similar from a Chev and a Ford point of view. But now 100% of last year's Ford Mustang hasn't carried over to this year. Um, you know, the cars look fantastic. So visually, they look much more like the road car. Um, but every single component in the car is controlled now across the board. So um, nothing that we've designed is on the car. It's all gone out and been sort of designed by, you know, suppliers outside our own race teams. And uh, it's very, very even from the, you know, every team on the grid has um, the same componentry to play with. The engine from a Ford point of view, we've got 5.4 litre Coyote V8 engine. Um, so from a production-based engine, so there's so many things we've got to get used to and relearn. Still very much the DNA of a supercar um, to drive, but uh, all all completely new for us. So Guessing um, it's going to be certainly exciting. 5.4 litre wouldn't be good on petrol, would it? And Bowers is pretty expensive these days too. <laughs> Look, this is a little bit out of left field, Will, for you, but it's tying into the, the discussion we're having around cricket and what we've learned in the last 24 hours that it's an individual sport, even though there's coaches and what have you. Talk us through race plans, Will. D- is it all your own doing? Do you? H- how big's the consultation team? Like, let's say, f- first round is in Newcastle. You're returning to the Newcastle track, haven't raced there for a few years. Is it just your thoughts, or do you actually take input from elsewhere on a race plan? Oh, yeah. We, I mean, race teams are amazing. Like, um, we love, the, you know, having the opportunity at events where we have our sponsors there or fans sort of having a bit of a look at the inner sanctum of the way the teams work now. And um, I suppose I, I won't say I take it for granted, but um, there's a lot more to it. Um, you know, the, the, the background of the way our teams are structured is, um, you know, is, is pretty impressive. Um, it's a huge team sport. And, uh, you know, we have you know, close to 40 people full-time back at our factory and, um, you know, the structure from the top to all the way through is, is incredibly professional. You know, each car has its own set of mechanics. Um, we have a couple of engineers per per car. You know, we have people responsible for, you know, doing all elements of the race team, the sub-assembly, you know, repairing the cars, um, fabrication, the paint, um, the management, commercial, um, and we all have to talk, you know, in huge depth during the week. We prepare for races um, with a lot of detail. And when we go to a new circuit, um, and then obviously across the weekend, you know, the way we have to communicate, they take my feedback, you know, obviously incredibly importantly, but um, it's a huge team sport. My engineer and I have to work together. He's nearly like my engineer slash psychologist. You know, it's a hugely emotive sport. So, it's really about the way we communicate to make the right decisions at the right moment, whether that be on the, the setup of the car, the engineers sort of getting that information to the mechanics to make sure they do their job, um, whether it be the strategy in the race when I'm in the car talking. There's, yeah, there's lots going on, and it's you know so many elements need to come together to have the car perfect, um, you know, and all elements firing on all cylinders to win. So. Um, yeah, there's certainly a, a massive team element. It's where we spray the champers, but uh, we can't certainly can't do it without our team. Well, the first events, uh, March 10, 12, you're up in Newcastle. It's it's not a new track, but you haven't been there for a few years. Uh, so you and it's through the streets, isn't it? Will do you like that sort of racing through the through the streets? It's it's pretty cool. It's um, they're, they're a completely different element. Um, you know, we have quite a few street tracks 
tracks now on the calendar, but they're all unique in their own their own right. And Newcastle in particular is one of the most sort of let's say hardcore street tracks uh, where there's just no room for error. Um, you know, very undulating, very narrow. Um, all those sort of road course elements where we have you know off camber, on camber. Um, you know, a lot of bumps manhole covers you know all temporary curbing and and things like that which really give it a, a sort of unique sort of element so to go to one of those tracks as the first event uh, with a brand new car um, a brand new rule book and set of regulations uh, you know is is a baptism of fire uh, we haven't been there since 2019 so it's yeah really exciting that it's back on the calendar because it was a, a really great new addition to the fixture only back in 2017 so um yeah we're all pumped to get back there um but yeah we're all excited but i, I would say everyone's holding their breath a bit for being the first race there you know putting the car through races over two really long grueling races uh, mechanically you know there's a lot of firsts obviously the drivers are still adapting to the cars even strategically you know uh, with tire changes you know the the fuel element, the way we fill the cars up, is everything's new on the car. So uh, we're going to be testing everything for the yeah. first time around there. So it's certainly going to be a crazy, crazy first event. Well, we're certainly excited here at SEN. Uh, we have become the official AM radio partner of the Repco Supercars Championship and Supercars promoted events. So it's got everyone, you know, up and about here at SEN. And, well, one last question. Brandy and I, when, when we said uh, you say Camaro, I say Camaro, but it reminded both of us of our first cars, which was a Holden Camira. Uh, we're a bit older than you, Will. What was your first car? I'm sure the listeners would love to know the first car you actually owned, Will. What was it? Well, you know, I, I'm, I'm on the Blue Oval, so we're, we're, I'm promoting an amazing-looking new uh, M650 Mustang out there. But uh, my first car was a uh, XF white ute. It was about an I think a 1991 model, is that right? Um, oh, nice. So, yeah, my XFU was a uh, hand-me-down from my brother. Nice. Um, yeah. But, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, well, an absolute beauty. I love my ute. Had the yeah. cassette player. Oh, the cassette. Um, <laughs> yeah. oh, on the, the Avgas. Uh, on a hot day when the cassette player got a little bit and the, and the, and the tape would no. start to come out of the machine. Yeah. Yeah, who would love put, those Put times. the fan up on four with the window down. Yeah. You know, um, <laughs> memorable car. Love, love my first Great stuff, you. Will. Well, thank you for coming on the program. Early hours this morning. Can't wait for it all to start. The supercars, uh, SEN right on board all day, all night, all weekend. It'll be fantastic. We'll have a great season. Yeah, great to have SEN on board as well. It's going to be a huge year. Thanks, guys. Good, Good on you, Will. You're listening to The Best of Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. Lee Hadji-Pentelis from Brighton's Lawyers was on the line for Sport and the Law. And we got an update on the West Tigers and John Bateman, plus the latest on the Peter Bowles situation. And the NRL are looking at bringing in a concussion rule. Sport and the Law on Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. For Brighton's Lawyers, let our team of professionals help with your legal matter. Happy man this week. I, I understand if if we were to steal Lee's uh, laptop right now and search history, we would see Google search grand final tickets release date <laughs> uh, after their win on Sunday at Belmore. True or false, Lee? Is that true? Is it true in your search history? Uh, not, not quite yet, gentlemen. Quite yet. No, good morning, Andrew. Good morning, Greg. No, um, it was only a trial, of course. Mm. Uh, very pleasing. Some very good signs. Much, mm. uh, much nicer to win a trial than to lose one. Uh, but uh, Tim promised us that we wouldn't recognise the, t- the team this year, and I, I think he's going to be right about that. All right. Now, now before we get to the topics we had 
thought we were going to get to. I want to throw the one at tipping at you first of all. Um, Brandy doesn't tip, so it doesn't apply to him. I occasionally tip, you know, but it's no king's ransom. Can you, in this day and age where tips just get into a pool and shared among staff, can, can you make sure that your tip goes to one particular waiter or one person from the restaurant? How do you do that? Well, you do it, Andrew, by giving the tip to the person directly. You see, if you pay by credit card, for example, that indicate where you want the money to go, there's, there's, there would be difficulty with that because the money is actually paid to the restaurant itself. And then it's a matter of policy as to how the, the tip is distributed. So if you wanted the particular waiter or waitress to benefit directly, then you, you're better off giving them the money directly. And that would have to be in the form of cash, unless, of course, the waiter or waitress is carrying around their own uh, bank EFT machine. <laughs> Ten thousand. Wow. Yeah. So he just he just produced. He paid his bill and then said, "Well, here's uh, ten for you." I think so. <laughs> only leave a tip. He, he the, the man paying said he'd only leave a tip if she got at least seventy percent of it, telling her to keep seven thousand for herself and split the rest with the colleagues. There you go. So that's an amazing story out of Melbourne. Now, Brandy, we do have some topics to mm. talk about, and it relates to some a, a pretty big story from last week. Yeah, Peter Bowl. Um, Peter Bowles, uh, A sample, of course, Lee, you know the story, um, tested, yep. uh, went positive, B sample was negative, which is very rare. It has happened in the past, but it, it but it is rare. Um, I, I guess the legality about his name being, well, you, you, you're almost run out of the sport before your B sample is, uh, confirming the positive test. Um, he lost sponsors, he you know, he went through a longer period than you should have to. Um, should they be changing the, the rules around this and testing a B sample much quicker? Well, Greg, to answer that, let's just consider how it all works. And having a look at it yesterday, I can tell you it is so complicated and so convoluted, it did my head in. Now, Peter, unfortunately, came to their attention quite a bit last year. He was, in fact, tested 26 times in 2022 comprising 16 urine tests and 10, 10 blood samples. And the reason for that was made known to him in January this year when he was given a document to suggest that he in fact had tested positive 12 months earlier. But at that time, one laboratory came back saying the sample was positive, but the second lab showed a negative result. So he was not even informed of this. So unbeknownst to him, he became a target of testing throughout uh, 2022. Right. Now, the A sample proved positive, as we know, he then chooses to have the B sample tested. The B sample is then split into two. Part of it sent uh, to Cologne, the other part dealt with here in Australia. However, in relation to the testing, there's a lot of criticism apparently because the testing results have an element of subjectivity. That is, one technician could come back and find the results positive and another technician could come back and find the results negative. Now, with the first A test, there are five bands in the EPO testing range that are measured. And Peter apparently was marginally over only on one of the five bands. Now, there is a, a professor, a, a Catherine Ordway, who's a sports integrity research leader at Canberra University. And she's also queried whether the EPO tests are, are, are take into account genetic or racial differences. Mm. So, so that, that's, the, that's the premise of all this testing. Uh, how it got out remains to be seen, but you're right though, simply the leaking of the result, which is equivocal from the A sample, has had disastrous uh, consequences for Peter. Sebastian Coe, who's the World Athletics President, came out wanted to defend the public identification 
of the athlete. Our criminal system, of course, provides the people are presumed innocent until until proven guilty. A, uh, a positive sample A doesn't doesn't establish guilt until such time it's confirmed with the B sample. So the whole the whole saga is completely unsatisfactory. And if Peter Ball wanted to look at his legal options, I'd be encouraging him to do so. Absolutely, but. Lee, the, the the dragging out of the uh, the B sample test, like so long, so it, you know, he he spends a month getting, um, just well castigated for being a, a, a drug cheat, young Australian when, of the year. When, when just, just, that was part of what the case. Why was. don't they do it a little bit quicker? Well, uh, I'll explain that. Um, the first sample uh, is subject to what they call a SARS S A R S test, being a page gel test. Uh, that's the sample A. Then when they split it for the sample B, which gets sent off, as I say, to Germany and the second part here, that is an isoelectric focusing test, which is the test that was previously utilized by Sport Integrity Australia. So it's different testing to begin with. Oh, that's So it. as to why it takes so long, I don't know. But that's the process. Okay. So that would be, that would be an explanation as to why an A sample could be different to a B sample because they're, they're testing it differently. Absolutely. One's a SARS test Bizarre. and one is a IEF, isoelectric focusing test. Wow. That is that Well, they need to clean that up, don't they? And I I'm, I, I yeah, hope man. I hope Sebastian Coe was saying that yes, we need to look at the, the processes that we and how we deal with, with athletes. Yeah. All right, yeah, Lee, man. quick one to finish. Uh, the NRL looking to introduce uh, a new concussion rule. Can there be any blowback on this? I mean legally I mean is a concussion rule or protocols and that the same as a play, you know rule of play if you will and you just have to abide by it so if they bring in you know mandatory stand in 10 days 12 days you can't challenge it uh no andrew i think this is all being driven at the moment of course by the nrl's medical advisory panel and the nrl will be guided by the best medical advice that um, that it has available to it now it would not be remiss of us to also suspect that the nrl has one eye on future legal or class actions. If it is ultimately established that the NRL had available to it medical advice that players should be stood down, mandatory stand down in the case of concussion, as they do with the AFL, and the NRL ignores that advice and a player suffers injury as a result in the future and can establish a link between that injury and the failure to be stood down, then that would be a clear breach of duty of care by the NRL. So as I say, so I think the NRL at the moment is very conscious of two aspects to the matter, the medical, the advice that they're receiving, and the potential legal ramifications if they ignore that advice. Uh, John Bateman. He's been all clear, John Bateman, um, apparently from what we've heard uh, in the media. But uh, when, when is he touching down, Lee, do you know? Uh, no, I don't know exactly. I, I'm hopeful that he's on a plane as we speak. Uh, all the visas being dealt with, and so there's no reason for any delay. Uh, Jerno rang me yesterday, suggested he was on a plane. It was news to me. But um, uh, though I haven't seen that as yet. He usually posts. Uh, he's a prolific poster on social media, uh, John. So I'm sure if there's a photo of him at the airport with his family, we'll know about it. But uh, he, he may, in fact, be on a plane as we speak. But I know it's, I know it's imminent. Well, that's good news. Just adding to what has been a good week for the Tigers, Lee. You have yourself a good week there at Brighton's Lawyers. I'm sure you'll be busy as always. Thank you, gentlemen. Have a great day. Thanks, Lee. Sport the Law on Breakfast with Bossy and Brandy. For Bryden's Lawyers, let our team of professionals help with your legal matter. Just You're listening to the best of Breakfast with Bossy and Brandy. Andrew Bogut joined us ahead of the Sydney Kings featuring in the NBL Grand Final Series beginning next Friday, and we asked him how confident the Kings fans should be heading into the series. Plus, we also got his thoughts 
on how Ben Simmons is going over in America. Uh, you will want to be all around the tickets going on sale today for the Sydney Kings v New Zealand Breakers Championship Series. That is through Ticketek. The dates... Uh, March 3 is where it'll all kick off in Sydney. Then on March 5, it's in New Zealand. March 10, game three in Sydney. Maybe Kings will have it all done and dusted by then, 3-0. But if we go past that, uh, March 12 is in New Zealand. March 15, if they need a game, number five is back in Sydney. So the Sydney dates are 3, 10 and 15. Uh, in March, who better to talk basketball this morning? Andrew Bogart, as we reach the real pointy end of the season. Um, how excited should Sydney Kings fans be? Andrew, welcome again to the show. Yeah, good morning. Uh, excited. I mean, we've got a chance to, to go back-to-back. Back. Um, these things don't happen very often. Um, at, at times when you're in the moment, you, you might take it for granted, but um, we have an opportunity to do something very special. You know, three grand finals series in four years. Uh, pretty impressive feat. How about this one, Andrew? I, and I've asked this of uh, Penrith in the Rugby League, of their coach, uh, Ivan Cleary. Do the Kings of this season beat the Kings of last season? <laughs> very tough question. Um, yeah, it'd be very, very tough. We'll see. We'll see how they finish, and I'll answer that probably in in a month's time. But look, last last season's team was very, very talented, um, as is this season's. Uh, but they're, they're kind of two different teams. Last last season was kind of um, the ceiling might have been a bit higher, but I feel like this season's team was probably more consistent um, with with the way they've played. Gutsy win. Uh, in game three, wasn't it? Because I, I, I know I was I was busy doing rugby league, Andrew, over the weekend, but uh, was keeping my eye and, and ears open about the about the Kings. And after Xavier Cooks picked up an ankle injury up there in Cairns, I thought, oh, gee, that's that's not good. But he he turned out for for game three, and they were down after the first quarter, but uh, defensively shut shut the Cairns down in the final quarter, didn't they? Six points was all they, they allowed the, the Taipans to score. So, um, yeah, gutsy win puts them in a, a good position, I think, with a bit of time for any injuries to uh, to clear up over the next uh, week and a bit before they get underway. But I, I think that's what you take out of this side, this current side. Uh, they pulled together for the, for game three. Yeah, no doubt. Look, Cairns, you've got to give them a lot of credit. They were, they were great. Um, they're dealing with some injuries themselves. That guy's in and out of the lineup. And they played free and physical, and they they, you know, I, I felt like game two was probably the, our worst game of the season as a team. That's what Cairns made us look inferior, and it was worrisome coming back for game three. I'm not going to lie, you know, I think Cairns really did some good things, but at the end of the day, I think Cairns burned out. I, I think they were they were really fatigued. Um, myself and Luke Longley were sitting next to each other, and in that third quarter, we we noticed their their legs were really run dry, um, even just getting to timeouts, they were slow to get to timeouts. They they looked very, very fatigued and they played real short rotations. And before our final, before our series against them they had two playing games as well, um, in a short amount of time. So we kind of tend to think that they, they really kinda of ran into a wall in that third, fourth quarter and gave us an opportunity to get get on top of them. Andrew, an overview, because see, we're a nation, I guess our biggest um, sporting cage, we're, we're a grand final nation. Um, so you, you play a grand final on a given day and that's it, or a given night in the case of your league. Um, the AFL, it's a one-off. And we often use the saying, and it's a whole new ball game and all those sorts of things. But basketball, this is a best of five series. Does that mean there is a little bit of different strategy or is it just, 
you know, your, your mental approach to it, it's it's a big stint if you're going to play all five games of that intensity of that pressure, grand final pressure. That's what makes it fun. Um, it's, it's similar to the NBA. NBA is obviously seven games, and, and you see, you know, I've been part of a series in the NBA that swung up 3-1 and we ended up losing in the finals, you know, 4-3 we lost, so... It's a it's a game where or a series where you can make adjustments. Injuries play their part. Fatigue plays its part. Um, there's nuances throughout the game. There could be lineup changes. It's, it's really a chess battle, and that's what makes it so fun. You know, you can be up two zero and still lose a series, and you got to continue to to try and put the foot put the foot down. And uh, momentum can swing very very quickly. So I, I love long series. I think they there's a lot a lot to do in them and. Um, things can change, you know, to, to snap your fingers. Andrew, you, you're having played what, what over a 14 year span in the N- in NBA and played for four different teams. Um, you know what it's about. Um, ben Simmons. Um, it, it it seems like it's almost sad reading about what's happening to Ben Simmons. Um, do you know Ben Simmons personally, and and can like just relate what you're thinking about Ben Simmons and, and what's happening to him in the NBA? Yeah, look, I know him. I don't, we don't have a relationship of any sort, really. Um, more of a high-buy thing. We've never, never really been close. Um, and, and that's not for no reason. It's just we've never really crossed paths. Um, and I actually did a podcast yesterday um, and spoke about his exact thing. I, I don't think it's anything other than he, he doesn't want to get to the free throw line. Um, I, I think that people that He's not playing. People are saying he's not playing hard, or he's not giving effort, or he doesn't like he wants to be out there. I don't. I don't think it's any of that. I think it's as clear as he has. He has the yips um, at the free throw line, and I went through it through a couple of years where I was shooting the ball bad there, and it's a lonely place when you you can't knock him down. And I think everything that's going on with him right now is that if he was shooting free throws at 80 percent, he'd be fine. But he does not want to get to the line, and and the way he plays basketball, super aggressive guy, gets on the rim. You look at his first couple of years in Philly, and then look at his last, this current season. I mean, when was the last time he he dunked on someone or tried to dunk on someone? Um, he hasn't this season, and that tells me that he's he's scared of getting hit and getting fouled and getting to the free throw line to shoot free throws. So his biggest issue is going to be in the off season. is isn't about training. It isn't about getting free throws up. It's going to be you know, working with a sports psychologist and just trying to get over that hump. And, and then, you know, it's, it's sad to watch. You're right. It, it really mm. is. As a basketball fan, I want him to do well. I want him to, to fix that in the off-season and, and get his mentals right and come back and have a great season again. But um, it, it's, it's hard to watch at the moment. Expert opinion of Andrew Bogart here on uh, Breakfast with Vossie and Brandy. One last one, because we you're, you're a man with an opinion, Andrew. Uh, cricket has dominated uh, much of our discussion since Sunday, and and we're, we're, Brandy and I are staggered by the um, the machinations of the Australian cricket team that there is a coach, but the coach does not speak to the players or advise them as the team collapses. He doesn't pass on advice. Could you ever imagine that in basketball that the coach would say, "Sort it out yourself, fellas," or or did that happen, or was that a, a one-off tactic from time to time? Um, you know, you played with some big names. Could they be addressed directly and and criticised and, and and pointed out where they did things wrong? Uh, look, you had, you've had a coach in the NBA with 82 games. You've had coaches use that before, like come in the locker room after a blowout and just be like, you guys figure it out. Or at halftime, sorry, come in and be like, 
you know, we've tried everything half. You guys figure it out. Like, um, there's nothing I can tell you down by 20 or 30. But generally, it's very, very rare, and it's a kind of a last tactic. Um, but in cricket, it's a little bit different. So I haven't followed it too much, to be honest. Um, you know, but it, it doesn't look like things are going too well there. Um, and you'd hope, you'd hope they'd figure it out and have, have some sort of open dialogue where they these coming days and try, try to figure things out because they're, they're in the moment right now. They need to get it addressed pretty quickly. But you you obviously played with some big names. And does did you ever – was there ever a situation there where, you know, one of those big names needed to be pulled up and the coach actually addressed him in front of the other players? And, and was there any – did you ever have any drama with some of the, the key players because the coach might have – they might have thought the coach was being too hard? Or was there any sort of, you know – Awkward situations between star players and coach. hundred percent. I mean, <laughs> for, those people, for those people that are Warriors fans, I mean, I was, I was in the squad when um, you know in Oklahoma City at halftime when Draymond Green and Steve Kerr got into it. Um, it's about five six years ago now, and and there was a hot mic outside the locker room at halftime um, that caught the whole the whole exchange, which was. Not pleasant, um, and not for not for radio or TV. So, uh, look, in, in pro sport, it happens. Like it's it's you know you can't take things too personally. Um, some days is going to be your day for addressing down, and if it's if it's rightful, you got to yeah, in the moment. It's frustrating. Yeah, you, you got you got to take it. Yeah, I mean it's obviously it's hard to hear, and, and whenever you're playing like crap, the last thing you want to hear is someone saying you're playing like crap. I mean that's just the way it goes. But, um, nice, but it's it's. It's changed the NBA a little bit. It's a bit more precious now, but there's still coaches that that will get after you. And, and generally, a lot of times it's done in the film room the next day or the video room, pointing out like, so you've actually got factual information and be like, look, this is what you did. This you need to, you need to fix this, or you're not going to play. Yeah, yeah. Yep, yep. maybe a good idea then if players and the cricketers don't listen to this program because the uh, the uh, open line gives plenty of advice, free advice, and it's not always very positive. Andrew, it is great to talk basketball and other things with you this morning. Go the Kings. No worries, cheers. Thanks. Andrew Bogart on the program. Great to have a sporting legend on breakfast with Vossie and Brent.